welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. We are back talking about beautiful creatures by Kevin Garcia and Margaret Stoll. What happened last time? Uh, I don't so know. much. Uh, Lena and Ethan were making out, <laughs> and he almost died. Yeah. Also, I can definitely tell the difference in you after I started singing in Kanto. <laughs> like your voice dramatically changed. <laughs> So we're like it's almost a month later. I gotta say, time yeah. flies when you're having necking, fun. when you're necking, when you're necking, when you're necking your cast your girlfriend. It is November twenty seventh. Just your average American holiday. Right. Everything went back to normal for Ethan, except for Lena liking him back. What? We now know that Lena liked oh, him back. It doesn't say that. <laughs> then suddenly, the strangest thing happened. Emma invited Lena to Thanksgiving dinner. She would never. But she did. She got her reasons. Yeah, she did. Yeah, there's sure a reason. Ethan was nervous, but Lena was excited because this was a mortal holiday. Ethan tried to give her a rundown of the family, including, you know, Emma, the sisters, aka his great great whatever aunts, um, Marion, the librarian, and also Ethan's Aunt Caroline. Uh, Aunt Caroline, we haven't met her yet, but she was a museum curator. Her and Marion would debate for hours on historical events, which I'm sure was just so interesting to hear. I it was. Love that. Like the moon landing, or you know. It was definitely <laughs> Civil War. Yeah. Like what Charleston Green was, where the first library was. Yeah. Oh, so not the moon landing. That'd not be more interesting. Oh, that would be it in my family. <laughs> yes. We, we care only about Civil War history. <laughs> I guess so. That's all they learn at school. Ethan didn't tell Lena one critical detail. Thanksgiving meant his dad would come out of his, quote unquote, study. <laughs> And eat with them in his pajamas. Ethan goes on to discuss dinner would be at night. And there are also no mentions of dressing. Peyton and I had a long discussion about both of these things earlier. Yes. Reba, when you have Thanksgiving dinner with your family, what time of the day do y'all do it? Lunch. Okay. Yeah. That was our agreement. It's like a late lunch or just like... It's around noon. Yeah. See, in the South, dinner is actually lunch for those of you who don't know <laughs> dinner to other people in the world is supper to us <laughs> as in your evening meal your lunch evening is meal. like the big meal you know where everyone comes over i don't know i didn't know that was like a huge discrepancy that people have holiday dinners yeah or like thanksgiving dinner specifically and we have like a late lunch yeah uh, that's how it's always been for my family I don't know, because my parents are both from here, and anytime I say dinner, they're like, lunch is already passed. Like, what are you talking about? What do you want for the next eating time? What do you want to eat? Um, And then uh, Peyton went off about how it doesn't mention dressing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big part. That is like a cool thing. It's a staple. Also, you have to have the right dressing. Mm-hmm. Because as anybody will tell you, their family makes dressing better than anybody else's family. <sighs> My family doesn't claim that. We we know that it's just whatever. Well, it's highly debated in my side of, um, in my family's because I'm like my mama makes the best dressing and y'all can't tell me otherwise because my mom makes the best cornbread so uh-huh. therefore her dressing is good. Yeah. And so Caitlin asked, "What's the difference between dressing and stuffing?" And I got an earful, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Which y'all are. It about was too it? early for that. So stuffing, I believe, is stuffed into the turkey, which sounds utterly disgusting. To me. Yes. I don't understand why. Yeah, why? I guess it has like the turkey flavoring after that. Yeah. Yes, that's ex- basically yeah. Apparently, and don't be offended by this, but the Yankees <laughs> put bread cubes in their their stuffing. Is it has bread cubes in it, whereas we have dressing, and dressing is made out of cornbread. Mm-hmm. They go the our, extra our, mile. It is dressed around the turkey. That's how it's ser- how it's served in my family. Is yeah. it will be around Y'all fancy around the turkey in the same like bowl or whatever mm-hmm. plate yeah, that it. it's on. We've done that before, or you can just have it to the side, but it's not. Ours is just like a casserole dish. I mean, it's basically a, ca- a kind of a casserole dish, but as far as it being called dressing, it's because you're dressing the turkey yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun. So it's stuffing, little... you put it up the ass. <laughs> Dressing just goes around. Ethan picked up Lena from her house, and the usual female fawning happened when they are trying to be nice to the girlfriend. What? When they get back to the house. 
So like, oh, like everyone is yes. kind of fawning over her. Yeah, like, oh, you're so pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that I would not like that. I've oh. not been put in that situation. I, I would not like that. I wouldn't like it either. It's too I, much attention. I hate. I would hate that. You go to your boyfriend's house for the first time. That's what happened. Hate it. Like, so what are you into? Oh, pretend like so I'm pretty. not even there. Yeah. Don't ask me about my life or anything. Like, pretend like I'm not there. My boyfriend's family, it was like a big dinner, like mm-hmm. with all of everybody there. And it's like a big family. It was, I was one of the girlfriends introduced and there was another girlfriend and I felt bad for the other girlfriend because I felt like the attention was on me. <laughs> they liked you better. <laughs> well, I think it was that my boyfriend doesn't bring home a bunch of girls. Uh, so it was like, oh, wow, you know, so what are you like? And then, so what are you like? Yeah. I love that question. <laughs> You're like, ah, I'm, I'm a great, I'm a catch. I'm a catch. <laughs> I'm great. So they have their dinner. <laughs> dinner. And Lena was trying to be a gracious guest and get on everybody's good side. It's also a thing that happens when you go to your boyfriend's mm-hmm. house for the first time. You're like, hey, what? remember everything that your partner yeah. has told you? Yeah. And you try to like be as nice as possible also like during this ethan was you know he's kind of embarrassed of his family a little bit which Mm -hmm. i feel like is normal and like his family in particular i could see why you're like (laughs) as really said our family's a little whack yeah they are a little bit those aunts and his dad and everything but lena's just kind of loving it she's just like this is so normal like she doesn't get that Mm -hmm. she has a family that is around a lot but she doesn't have this kind of relationship with them but then Anna stopped the dinner and everyone but her and Lena were frozen. Okay. Anna didn't stop the dinner. She asked the greats to yes. help her. Yeah. The greats were involved. Ethan, though, he can still hear everything that was being said uh, just due to his Ethanness of it all. Yes. Yeah, whatever he has going on. But he can't move. So this is the second time he's been stuck at the dinner table, unable to do anything. <laughs> If we remember the family dinner at Lena's house, like he couldn't do anything and what he was dying. Him and family dinners. You can't like have it. family dinners with Lena. No, he's just always the observer, and he's maybe he would just say some stupid. <laughs> so it's better that way. I don't know. Uh, Emma asked Lena why she wasn't wearing the bracelet. You know, Emma gave making the bone bracelet to prevent the weirdness happening and the stuff that we learn about right now. Lena told her it was blocking the visions. So the visions for the locket. Emma went on to say, I didn't want to be the one to tell you this child, but your uncle, your family, they aren't going to tell you. <laughs> she didn't want to say Melchizedek. Yep. Melchizedek, your family, they aren't going to tell you. Not a one of them. And you need to be told. You need to be prepared. Prepared for what? She's coming, child. She's coming for you. And she's a force to be reckoned with. As dark as night. Who? Who's coming for me? I wish they told you themselves. I didn't want to be the one. Emma, you don't have to be the one. Just putting that out there. It doesn't really have to be. I don't know if you're doing... I mean, I guess you're doing her a favor. But you're the, doing her... <laughs> she's doing her a favor because of Ethan. Yeah. But the greats, they say somebody has to tell you before it's too late. Oh, okay. Lena asked, who? As in, who's coming? What's happening? Emma said, Seraphine, the dark one. <laughs> Who's Seraphine? And then Emma drops this absolute bomb on her. Your mama. Yo mama. <laughs> Yo mama is Seraphine? Lena told her that her parents were dead and her mom's name is Sarah. Which is like a weird jump. Like, I'm sorry, her name was Sarah. There was no fine afterwards. So this I is actually it. have this in a book too. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it right now, but it is exactly the same. <laughs> Emma goes on. <laughs> your daddy died. That's the truth. But your mom is alive as sure as I'm standing here. Oh, Lena told Emma that she thought Emma didn't even like her. Doesn't have anything to do with liking or not liking. She's coming for you. You don't need any distractions. And I don't want anything happening to my boy. This is bigger than you. Bigger than the both of you. But you don't even like me. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> like, because it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> What's bigger than the both of us? All of it. You and Le- Lethan. <laughs> you and Lethan. <laughs> We've done this before. Ship name. <laughs> All of it. You and Ethan just aren't meant to be. Then the time snapped back into place. Lena refused to talk to Ethan for the rest of dinner and even on the drive 
home. You didn't even talk about the scene where Ethan was like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> that was like, weird. I was like, you boy, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that- Aunt Prudence. It was like, why are you cussing at the dinner table? Who raised you? <laughs> Who raised you? Don't worry, the sisters are coming back. That's why I didn't feel like adding them in here. Ethan followed Lena inside her house. And then she started screaming for Macon to come out. She hadn't been talking this whole time. Then she just started screaming, Macon, get down there! The sun was down, so she knew he was awake. Okay. She started banging on his bedroom door. Macon opened it, revealing him. (laughs) (laughs) His jammies. Jammies. He was wearing a white nightdress with his hair disheveled. So, 1800s. <laughs> I imagine, uh, what's his name in A Christmas Carol? Yeah. yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. That, the that's bacon. <laughs> He's the sleeping hat. <laughs> or the, the grandfather from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Lena confronted him about the thing that tried to kill her on Halloween and how it was her mother <laughs> making shut his bedroom door. <laughs> but Ethan caught a glimpse of it. And all of its weirdness, I guess. It doesn't further the story in any way, but he said that it looked like something out of the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, I can imagine that. And I'm like, that is glorious. Love it. I Giant love chandelier. Making him emerge a second later, looking impeccably dressed, he was like, I need, <laughs> I need a wardrobe change. I can't have this conversation in my nightgown. It's literally one second, closes the door, two seconds later, opens the door and dressed impeccably. Love that for him. Nathan explained that he thought he was protecting her by withholding this information. But this upset Lena even more. They argued back and forth over whether she was going dark and if Seraphine was trying to kill her. I think it's pretty obvious on both parts. But anyway, we got what's the obvious book to them is, is not obvious to it's them. It's the same conversation over and over really again is. where yeah. she's like, you're keeping this information from me. And Aiken's like, I'm trying to protect you. And even the same with Emma and Ethan, like it's the same conversation over and over again. Yeah, that's why I didn't add it this time. Like yeah. there's some stuff that happened, but it's not even interesting enough to add it. Well, other than Lena using her powers deliberately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point. Right. So this chapter begins on November 28th and it's called Domus, <laughs> Domus Lunae li- uh, Libri. I wasn't pausing because of that. <laughs> I was going to try to attempt to say it myself and now I'm going to mess it up because you said it the right way. Well, you can say it. Domus Lunae Libri. The day after Thanksgiving was a bank holiday. So luckily, the Castor Library was open for business. Ethan and Lena met up with Marion, the librarian, by the Gatlin Historical Society, which also happened to be the DAR headquarters. This was the Gatlin entrance to the Castor Library. Marion explained the DAR and the Castor might have more in common than they think. She went on by saying she was a member of both societies. Which, I was like, Marion's part of the DAR? And Peyton was like, that doesn't make any sense. Which, yeah. like... It doesn't. Because we thought she was African-American. I'm pretty sure she, she is. is. She is? Okay. Like, I was fairly certain. And then I was like, so... She's an honorary member, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Be a uh, part of the Daughters of the American Revolution... You have to trace it back yeah. and like, have evidence. Which, I'm not saying that there wasn't uh, people of African descent that fought in the American Revolution, but it's harder to prove because... Family tree stuff like that. Yeah. So... It's crazy, mm-hmm. for one, and two, it's also... Wait, what's her last name? Ashcroft. Oh, it's not Jefferson? Because mm-hmm. then you could definitely be like, yes, she was a part yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we all we, know. We know about Tommy. We know about Tommy. My man, Tommy J. He's I mean, she man, might but, you know. be in relation that way to yeah. someone like that. It's possible, because even with, like, genealogy, mm-hmm. you know, you can be black and still have plenty of white descendants. Like, I don't know. It was kind of like... Wait a minute. That's kind of strange. I was just like, she's never mentioned she was part of the D.A.R. before. The evilness of the D.A.R. She's like, I'm one of them. She's part of everything, though, because she's like, so I'm I'm neutral. neutral. She pointed out that Ethan was like Lila, getting himself too involved. Ethan felt numbed by this statement, causing Lena to comfort him. Yeah, he was just, I think the mention of his mother and like, 
the, impl- the implications of like she got herself into a mess and whatever and now she's yeah. gone really got to him and marion saying that too really got to her him. saying that also starts is starting to imply that his mom was like you know maybe murdered like her saying yeah, stuff that like it that wasn't actually a car <laughs> accident which is why the car is still working whoa what <laughs> did you just did it just occur to you well they just got fixed back up or something which makes zero sense <laughs> Did I say he was smart at some point today? I take yes, it back. <laughs> I haven't said I'm smart, so I can't take that one back. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, teenagers are so stupid that they don't realize. <laughs> You're like, oh, wait, am Have I? Have y'all ever seen me actually read a fantasy book? Because I'm like, huh? Or explain the plot to anything where I'm like, I have no idea. I love pointing these things out because of the wonder on your face. Like, oh. <laughs> I actually become a (laughs) five-year-old. They went behind the building where Marion pulled out a key. Wait, what if his mom got murdered because she's trying to pick a side? Between mortals and casters. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. It's a caster baddie. Either that or she ended up finding something out that she shouldn't have. That's more likely. The FBI got involved, probably. Probably. Oh, I probably shouldn't say that. (laughs) The Caster Bureau of Investigation. (laughs) That has to exist. (laughs) Not in real life, of course, but... Yes, definitely. They went behind the building where Marion pulled out a key. They entered a place below even the D.A.R. basement. It's way down there. Weaving through the catacombs, (laughs) which is very strange for North Carolina, if I do say... (laughs) They find the library. Marion reminded them that this was serious business, looking directly at Ethan. (laughs) So, this is serious business. Are you sure you want to go in here? He's like, yeah. Only Lena could touch the books. Lena's hair moved with the magic while Ethan's stomach churned. Marion reminded them that they didn't have forever. The library was closed at 6 a.m., If they didn't get out then, they'd be trapped there until the next day it opened. Ethan questioned if his mom ever came here. Marion said, your mother was the person who gave me this job. That statement being such a throwaway kills me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not really a throwaway because he thinks about it a little bit, but not as much as you should. Should. And I'm like, so many things are pointing to your family being involved with this. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, "Hmm, that's interesting. And not just like his dad's... Or had, like his ancestors being involved but on his dad's side. Yeah. Ethan mulled over Marion's words and just what his mother knew about the caster world. Three of them travel through the library, Marion explaining various items and answering their questions along the way. More mortals were involved than Ethan originally thought. Gatlin had belonged to the casters before the mortals. Maybe that's why you're all so weird around here, Lena jested. The library was a maze, easy for anyone to get lost in. No one knew that what was at the end of the stacks. It tunneled through the entire town, giving even Macon Ravenwood an opportunity to get around. Marion said, Mortals only see what they want to see. There's been a thriving caster community in and around this county since before the Civil War. That's... Uh, hundreds of years, Ethan, and that's not going to change suddenly, not just because you know about it. I kind of love that because, like, in so many things, you have the person who, like, becomes a part of this world, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, like, it's, I can change it, or, like, it's going to shift, or, like, all these new discoveries that I'm making is going to do something, and they're like, hold up, you just came here. Are you new here? You know. <laughs> That is that TikTok's enough. But um, Ethan, calm down. Like, it's not going to change just because you're here. Lena pulled books from the shelves, gazing at the titles. Many of the books were old and dusty. Marion explained that even the casters fought in the Civil War on both sides. Lena commented, the casters in our family were still in a war, aren't we? I About that, st- I was kind of confused about that statement. Like, is she talking about, like, her family members within them are at war or them with mortals? Her family members are at war. Okay. You've got the dark ones mm-hmm. and the bueno ones. <laughs> yeah, the dark yeah. ones and the bueno ones. <laughs> and, yeah, they, they're they fighting amongst each other mm-hmm. because of the Civil War. She begged Marion to point them in the right direction. Marion remained super unhelpful, saying <laughs> as usual. she didn't have the answers. They considered the locket, hoping it would lead them to some answers. Marion took a hold of them, traveling into the flashback. 
Genevieve lifted the book so she could read the words through the rain. She knew speaking the words would defy the natural laws. She could almost hear her mother's voice willing her to stop, to think about the choices she was making. But Genevieve couldn't stop. She couldn't lose Ethan. She began to chant. Stop, child, for it's too late. Ivy's voice was so frantic. The rain poured down and lightning sliced through the smoke. Genevieve held her breath and waited. Nothing. She must have done it wrong. She squinted to read the words more clearly in the dark. She screamed them into the darkness in the language she knew best. Blood of my heart, protection is thine. Life of my life, taking yours, taking mine. Blood of my body, marrow and mind. Soul of my soul, to our spirit bind. Blood of my heart, my tides, my moon. Blood of my heart, my salvation, my doom. She thought her eyes were playing tricks on her when she saw Ethan's eyelids struggling to open. Ethan! For a split second, their eyes met. Ethan fought for breath, clearly trying to speak. Genevieve pressed her ear closer to his lips, and she could feel his warm breath on her. I never believed your daddy when he said it was impossible for a caster and a mortal to be together. We would have had, we would have found a way. I love you, Genevieve. Press something into her hand, a locket. And as suddenly as his eyes opened, they closed, his chest failing to rise. Before Genevieve could react, a jolt of electricity surged through her body. He must have been struck by lightning. The waves of pain crashed down on her. Genevieve tried to hold on, then everything went black. Sweet God in heaven, don't make her, don't take her too. Genevieve recognized Ivy's voice. Where was she? The smell brought her back. Burnt lemons. She tried to speak, but her throat felt like she swallowed sand. Her eyes fluttered. Oh Lord, thank you. Ivy was staring down at her, kneeling beside her in the dirt. Genevieve coughed and reached for Ivy, trying to pull her closer. Ethan, is he... I'm sorry, child. He's gone. Genevieve struggled to open her eyes. Ivy jumped back as she'd seen the devil himself. Lord, have mercy. What? What's wrong, Ivy? The old woman struggled to make sense of what she saw. Your eyes, child. They've they've changed. What are you talking about? They ain't green no more. They're yellow as a yellow sun. Genevieve didn't care what color her eyes were. She didn't care about anything. She lost Ethan. Ivy pulls out a mirror and shows her that her eyes are yellow and have slits in them like a cat. She's a cat woman. Ivy was shaking, hugging herself and moaning, it can't be, it can't be. Genevieve grabbed Ivy by her shoulders. What? What is it? What's wrong with me? I told you not to mess with that book. I told you it was a wrong kind of night for casting. But it's too late now, child. There's no way you can take it back. What are you talking about? You're cursed now, Miss Genevieve. You've been claimed. You turned, and it, there's nothing we can do to stop it. A bargain. You can't get nothing from the Book of Moons without giving something in return. What? What did I give? Your fate, child. Your fate and the fate of every other Duquesne child that's born after you. Genevieve didn't understand, but she understood enough to know that what she had done couldn't be undone. What do you mean? On the 16th moon, the 16th year... The book will take what it's been promised. What you bargained? The blood of a Duquesne's child? What you bargained? The blood of a Duquesne's child. And that child will go dark. Every Duquesne child? Ivy bowed her head. Genevieve wasn't the only one who was defeated on this night. Not everyone. Genevieve looked hopeful. Which ones? How will we know which ones? The book will choose. On the night, on the 16th moon, the child's 16th birthday. Did you ever state whether Genevieve was light or dark? light to begin with she gone dark she's now she's gone dark i think that's kind of the the point of the whole series um these flashbacks they go in order yeah how convenient yeah super convenient why couldn't they have this one earlier they could have figured out a lot of earlier what if they just like came like just yes sporadically like different ones and you had to piece them together that'd be fun I feel like that's what most times happens in flashback scenes and novels. The other ones I've read that have them, yeah, that's what happens. I can't, I hate flashbacks, so I have no idea. After the flashback, Ethan came to, unable to see through the smoke. Lena spoke from far away. They weren't in the library, but they weren't in the vision either. They floated in between. He yelled for her, only seeing a glimpse of her face through the smoke. Her eyes looked almost black now. Two seconds, she said. He was alive for two seconds, and then she lost him. She disappeared. Marion yelled at Ethan about the locket. He felt it. Then he dropped it. Ethan opened his eyes, the room around him still hazy. Macon Rakenwood stood in the middle of the room along with Amma staring at them. Ethan couldn't decide who looked 
angrier, Megan asked what the hell Lena and Ethan were doing there. Marion explained that they asked, so she had to help them. Alma disagreed, reminding Marion that showing the two kids the library wasn't protecting them. This is just everyone against Marion Day. Like, yeah. what are you doing, Marion? She's like, my job? <laughs> like, no, you're doing it wrong. And she's like, well, look here. It's not your job. <laughs> it's not your job. You don't know what it's like. Then Ethan spotted Lena on the stone table. Megan stood over her, trying to wake her up. Ethan grabbed onto her limp body. Her eyes were open, but still black. Drifting, Megan called it, saying he could reach her. He spoke his incantations, and Marion reminded Megan that his casting wouldn't work there. But Amma said he wasn't casting. He was traveling, something only Megan's kind could do. And I said, what the f- is bacon only his kind definitely a vampire i mean he only comes out at night so i think it's like if i remember correctly it's like some type of spiritual vampire or something yeah yeah it's it's coming back to me the words of celine it's all coming back to me now (laughs) lena felt cold in ethan's arms wherever she was it wasn't there even as a mortal he could feel that macon told lena listen to me she can't hold you seraphine he told her to break through. Marion grabbed a glass of water, trying to give it to Lena. Ethan couldn't stand waiting, so he kissed her, using their mental communication to say, Wait, what? <laughs> yes, Lena. <laughs> no, the next sentence. Wake up, Elle. Does he say wake up, Elle? Yeah. He called her Elle before. Yeah. Really? Because I don't remember that. He calls her Elle like at the last chapter, too. I just didn't add it. So he kissed her, using their mental connection to... Using their mental communication to say... Wake up, Elle. You can't leave me now. Not like this. I need you more than she does. Ethan, I'm tired, Lena thought back. She came to. Ethan smiled full of hope. But even he knew that this wasn't the moment the dreams predicted. This time, he had held on to her. It was only the beginning. (laughs) Macon and Lena hugged, Lena reminding him how Seraphine could have killed him. Ethan saw this event as just a hint of what was to come. 74 days. 16 moons. 16 years. Coming up. They find a room in the library to sit and rest, drinking tea and eating sweet bread. Ethan felt like an outsider in this moment. Then, Macon and Alma started going at Marion again, saying she had no right to bring Ethan and Lena there. Alma then turned to Lena, blaming her for dragging Ethan into her mess. Lena went off saying, I do bad things. When are you going to understand that? And it's only going to get worse. She looked at Macon. I'm going dark and there's nothing you can do to stop it. She told Ethan to get away from her before it was too late. Then Macon told her, You're not going to go dark. Don't be so gullible. She only wants you to think that. Marion added, Teenagers, everything is so apocalyptic. I <laughs> love it too. I love Marion, honestly. <laughs> like everything she says, it's like, Yeah. Like she's so unhelpful, but also you're like, Yeah. I like her more now than I probably did while reading this book when oh. I was younger. Ethan said the last words Lena felt like hearing. Everything is going to be okay. Of course they weren't. Not with her mother trying to kill her, a vision solidifying that her family is cursed, and her 16th birthday coming up. But Ethan still had hope. With his statement, though, he mentioned the book, drawing the attention of Alma and Macon. Lena warned him to keep his mouth shut, but Ethan knew they couldn't go about this alone anymore. He mentioned the visions, possibly meaning that not everyone in her family goes dark. Macon and Ethan continued to try to reassure her, saying she wouldn't end up like her mother. They needed the book to uncover more information on Seraphine, it seemed. They already know not everyone in the family goes dark, though, because they've had plenty of people go light. So yeah. I don't know why that's a, a huge, revelation. Yeah. <laughs> because the they're a- Selena always thinks she's going to go dark. <laughs> because like, everything- maybe if you would throw some more color in your wardrobe. <laughs> Stop being so broody. Like, think think a little bit more. (laughs) Ethan finally explained the book's pertinence to Macon. Marion opened her mouth, ready to add something, but Macon stopped her. Ethan predicted Marion knew exactly where the book was. He tried to push. Alma and Macon once again tell Marion to stop helping them, and Marion insisted that it was her duty. Alma all but gave up, saying, What's done is done. They've already started pulling out the thread. The old sweater's bound to unravel anyhow. Marion told Lena and Ethan that the book wasn't even in the library. Macon discussed his power and the fact that it's been missing for over a hundred years. I guess they gotta find the book. I also love how Emma's like, well, it's already happening. Might as well. Mm-hmm. Whatever. At this point, we're already going there. Okay. We're gonna take some quizzes because it's a fun time. This first one is which YA heroine are you? Let's see. 
Oh, geez. There are a bunch of answers. Yeah, there are. So describe yourself in high school. Oh, geez. Too unique to fit in with the usual crowd. Miss Popular over here. Accidentally stumbled into the underworld. Oops. I got into a lot of fights, but they started it. Hung out with my best friend and basically no one else. I liked it that way. In art class most of the time, usually starting some sort of revolution in the cafeteria. (laughs) Usually getting blamed for something I didn't do. Pretty quiet. I like to keep to myself. Captain of the sports team getting blamed for something I didn't do. I did starting a revolution in the cafeteria because that sounds. Um, I did right. just hanging out with friends and no one else. Yeah, even we can't pick all the same answers. There's only four. Okay, pick a food: pizza, waffles, please. Whatever I can grab on the go: coffee, please. Blood or I mean French fries. Whatever's left in the pantry, my friends keep on eating my food. Mortal food is bleh. Finger sandwiches, hearts, avi. <clears throat> um, I mean, like totally artichoke hearts or something normal like that. Any food, I never turn down food. Fancy four-course meal, please, and thank you. I'll do the fancy four-course meal. Okay, coffee isn't a food, so... i do pizza. Prom night! What you gonna wear? Oh, no, 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 no. Last time I dressed up all fancy, it did not end well. A cape and a crown. <laughs> Sparkles. I want to look like a freaking star constellation. Internally start stressing out about what to do with my very long, thick hair. Nice pants, comfortable shirt, who cares? Something simple, I just want to let my hair down and dance the night away. Something not too flashy, if monsters barging on the dance floor, I need to be stealthy. I'm stressed about who I'm going with. I'm too stressed about who I'm going with to think about what I'm wearing. Mm, I dress sounds difficult to kick in. My best friend is making me wear this ridiculous poofy thing to try and make someone jealous. I've been planning for years, opens Pinterest board. I'm going to go with sparkles. I'm going to do a cape and a crown. <laughs> Ooh, the next one we need to let the other one pick. Um, I yeah. I guess I'm going to say something simple. I just want to let my hair down and dance the night away. Describe yourself in one word that we're going to choose for each other. Dependable, clever, unbreakable, loyal, daring, evil, duh. Relentless, charming, quiet, brave, creative. Rebel is Peyton. Yeah, what am I? You're pretty charming. You're pretty daring. You're pretty daring. Yeah. You're really clever. I feel like clever would be No, the- I would say clever. I was thinking creative. Yeah, for Caitlin, yeah. Yeah. Creative. Okay. For Reba. I want to say relentless. <laughs> well, okay. I haven't read mine either, so we'll see. Mine is Eliza from Alex and Eliza. Eliza. That's all I could think of. Um, okay. I don't know about the book. I know about the musical. Yeah. And it's, I can kind of see that. What does it say about Eliza? Your charm and wit are legendary. You're a total romantic and you know what you want. You also have an old soul. Like, yeah. 1700s old. <laughs> yeah, okay. But you aren't a batted eyelash and skirts. You're practical, driven, mm-hmm. and maybe a little too smart for your own good. Most of all, you believe love conquers all. Okay. I can get behind that. Um, I have read mine, and it is Farah from Akatar, yeah. Which is not her favorite person in that. I mean, I like her, but you may not be one for fighting, but you have a heart of a warrior, and you'll fight if that's what it takes to keep your loved ones safe. You want to take care of those around you at any cost. At heart, you're an artist and love to express yourself creatively, be it through painting, music, or dance. You appreciate beauty and wish others could see the world as you do. So my book I haven't read. So I'm supposed to be Caledonia Sticks from the book Seafire. It says you're not just a team player. You're the captain of the team and a natural leader. You have a tendency to surround yourself with only people you can trust. While we're on the subject, you don't trust a lot of people. Damn. You find you don't have much time in your busy schedule for things like romance. You've got a crew to keep in order. You you spend your time calculating and plotting your next move. You love to plan. You're always two steps ahead of everyone else. Yeah. That's very real. I feel like mine is least fitting, but also I don't know what all the options for different characters Mm -hmm. were. I can see it. I I can see it, but maybe that's like what I strive to be. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do the romance trope one. This one has ever wondered which romance book trope matches your personality. So excited for this one. Which show or movie appeals to you the most? Once Upon a Time, Zoe 101, Good Girls, The Vampire Diaries, We Bought a Zoo, American Pie, or Victorious. These are some vastly different picks. And I've seen most of them. (laughs) I have seen some of them. I'm going to go with Once Upon a Time. I'm going with Once Upon a Time. I'm going Zoe 101. (laughs) Uh, I know you see me standing here. Choose a hobby. Gardening, sports, listening to a true crime podcast, (laughs) knitting, reading... (laughs) 
hanging out with friends or watching TV. <laughs> I'm going with reading. I'm going listening to True Crime Podcast. <laughs> I knew those were going to be all of our answers. <laughs> Choose a snack. Popcorn. Sushi is not a snack. It's mm-hmm. a meal. Takis. I'm not really a snack person, says some uppity person. <laughs> Ice cream. Hot sauce isn't a snack. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> chips. I'm going with popcorn. It depends on how I'm feeling, really. Yeah. Ice cream is not like a snack I can eat all the time. No. I can eat some popcorn. I could eat some ice cream. I'm going to go with chips. I think I'm also going to go with chips. Favorite music genre, pop, classical, alternative rock, acoustic, hip-hop, folk, jazz. Um, alternative rock. Yeah, that's the closest one for me, either that or pop. And it's either like, pop or acoustic. Go with pop. I'm going like to do alternative picture. as well. Pick a place to live. A castle, suburban home, modern home, tiny house, camper, mansion, or farmhouse. Mine's castle. I pick a tiny home. Mm, suburban home. Okay, so this is an issue. The one is choose a pet, and it's dog, cat, rabbit, snake, bird, fish, or hamster. I have three out of the, <laughs> actually I have four of the two out of the uh, out of the seven options. Oh jeez, I'm gonna go dog. I'm picking cat. They have a sun conure, which I really want, but they also have a beta fish, which I have. I'm gonna do with the bird. <laughs> favorite color: green, black, beige, blue, white, red. My favorite colors are not on here. I'm going to go blue. Blue. What's your dream date? Movies, fancy dinner, stargazing, bowling, amusement park, ice skating, watching Netflix. Dream date? These aren't necessarily dream date. I think they could be cute. I would love stargazing if I didn't think the actual stargazing was so boring. I hate stargazing. Yeah. I'm going to go amusement park. I'm going to pick stargazing anyway. I'll go amusement park. Let's, like, have some fun, you know? Yeah. Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. No! You know where I'm going. <laughs> Finally. Oh, jeez. What go. word yeah. describes you best? Do we want to do this yeah. again? Yeah. Responsible, caring, assertive, loyal, chill, determined, and passionate. Reba, I'm between of you. She's very responsible. She's assertive and she's also determined she's i would say responsible <laughs> what about me <laughs> you're a blank slate loyal <laughs> yeah i want to say loyal too loyal what about me assertive Ooh. yeah i like that word sure. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so mad <laughs> it's definitely friends to lovers it's definitely <laughs> It is Jake and Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, though, and I love them, but <laughs> I knew it. It says, this means you can't help but be a sucker for happy endings. You like being comfortable and aren't always 100% on board with big changes. Okay, these things are true. <laughs> Maybe I am friends to lovers, but That's I don't like it. it. <laughs> you want a partner who knows you like the back of their hand before romance comes to the picture. In your free time, you most likely to enjoy watching nostalgic shows that remind you of your childhood that's true i am friends to lovers i just don't like reading it it's because you are friends to lovers i'm like this is too close to home all right mine's dangerous romance mine is too how did we get the same one (laughs) i don't know all right so dangerous romance you practically dream about getting whisked away by a powerful lover (laughs) (laughs) divine powerful lover You're one who lives on the wild side and wouldn't hesitate to do a dare. You're known for bending the rules and taking risky chances. Being in charge is your specialty and you have no problem telling people what to do. If someone needed to be called out, you'd do it in a heartbeat. I don't feel like this applies to me. How did you get that one? I think it was the alternative rock. Was there any others you picked that were same to mine? Chips. Oh, was it the chips and the alternative rock? Chips and the alternative rock Rock. really did gel in. I guess so. I know. It sounds a lot more like you than it does me. (laughs) If we're being honest. I kept friends to lovers. I'm sick of you. It's chips. (laughs) Are there only two choices? (laughs) Apparently. All right. This one's the book Would You Rather. The hardest game of Would You Rather for book nerds. Would you rather only be allowed to read new releases or only be allowed to allowed to read classics that's so hard oh this isn't like a quiz quiz just showing percentages oh i don't really like that okay it's a very close margin though it's uh 58 new releases 42 percent classics would you pick Reba? new releases i had to too would you rather not be able to buy any new books until you finished all the ones on yourself or never be allowed to read any of the books you currently own okay i need to be the first one definitely the second (laughs) 
That's what I aspire to be. So I'm picking the first one. I'm picking the first one. I'm also picking the first one. And you one. know that That's all majority. these this 81% don't that do that. Don't actually do that. It's <laughs> no. a lie. Just like, I know. I started making to. a list of books I want to buy and I was like, you can't do that. Yeah, you got to read the ones you have. Would you rather only be allowed to mark your place by dog-earing the pages or have to make a small mark on the corner of every page you've read? Every page? <laughs> That's a lot. I will dog-ear the Yeah, I same. will too. Majority. Dog-ear. Would you rather live in your favorite book but the main character hates you or your favorite book character is real but they're actually super annoying? Well, I've seen this play out a lot in Manwa here lately <laughs> um, where the main character winds up hating the person. I kind of love that. I've That's seen interesting. A couple of the ones where the book character is real, but they're actually super annoying. Yeah, <laughs> usually they are. I want an enemies to lover situation. <laughs> they hate me. I'd rather live inside my favorite book just because I'd rather not be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really care if the main character hates me or not. Yeah. Would you rather a series you love stops getting published after a major cliffhanger or an author you love starts writing in a genre you don't like? They can write whatever they want to, but you are not leaving me on the cliffhanger. cliffhanger. (laughs) I like how the answer says fan fiction can solve the cliffhanger. (laughs) No, it can't. (laughs) Honestly, out of the things I've seen... It's not that I go to fan fiction because there was a cliffhanger. It's I go to fan fiction because I want to know what the other scenarios would have played out if they had yeah. to chose that yeah. one thing. Mm-hmm. I picked that. I'll expand my genre choices. Would you rather be allowed to read fan fiction but never write it or be allowed to write fan fiction but never read it? I am very much obviously the first one. I'm very much the second one. I've read very little, <laughs> but I wrote a bunch. I've read so I'm definitely much. the minority. Would you rather never be able to finish the series or never reread your favorite books? I would say never reread. Yeah, I'd say that too. I don't finish series. Just period. <laughs> would you rather build Bell's library in your home or restore the library of Alexandria? Oh, I mean, for the, me. The answers it says, forget the prince always wanted that library or let me bo- borrow the doctor's TARDIS and stop the fire. If you manage to do it, how cool would that be? But also... That would be... There are thousand-year-old records. Yeah, and there was so much information lost. But how much of the world would you change, and what negative impact might that leave? Time traveling is always. Yeah, still picking it. I'm still picking Bell's Library. Very selfish of you, but I understand. We all knew I was going to pick that anyway. I'd restore the Library of Alexandria just so I could read the things that were there. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) You know that episode of Avatar where the dude is trapped in the library forever and he's like, I have to stay here. I need to know this information. Would you rather be in charge of deciding how your favorite series ends or how your favorite author's next book starts? My favorite series ends. I don't know about the next book. I don't want that power. Oh, no. I'd rather decide how it ends based on what I already know. Yeah. Okay, this one is, which classic character are you? So, scenario. You lend one of your favorite books to a friend. It is returned with a cracked spine, dog-eared pages, and chicken scratch marginalia. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a disease. (laughs) STD. Do you address the itch issue? So we got no one cares. What's one book between old friends? No, I wouldn't say anything, but I will be annoyed about it for the rest of the day. Yes, I would express my disappointment right away in a calm manner. Yes, I would use humor to ease any tension. (laughs) Faulty premise. You're presuming that I would lend a book to anyone. I would use humor. Yeah, I would use humor also. (laughs) You're like, really? Really? This isn't even clever, this thing you write right here. We know who you are. Yeah, I, that's very obvious that I would, wouldn't say a thing, but I'd be knowing about it for the rest of the day. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> Just making sure you know who you are. Your favorite living author walks past you on the sidewalk. How do you react? Although I would limit myself to a quick wave and smile, I'd keep on walking because that is how I would like to be treated. I would shake their hand and say, I enjoy your work and go about my day. I would politely ask for a photo and autograph. Why would I even stop? I don't care about the author. I care about their work. Here's my thing. I wouldn't stop because I hate meeting people that mm-hmm. I consider famous because I would be like, no, I don't think yeah. so. So the closest to that is I would limit myself to a quick wave and smile. I said, I keep on walking. <laughs> I would ask, politely ask for a photo and autograph. I'd yeah. be like, it's so cool. Like, all of those are pretty accurate to us. Inexplicably, your favorite dead author walks past you on the sidewalk. How do you react? <laughs> How are you here? <laughs> I would engage in them with conversation because I don't see a downside. 
I would follow the author respectfully to find out how they are here. I would see if they needed anything since being dislocated in time would be difficult. I would leave them alone as nothing good can come from being curious. I would share my love for their work and say how good they look for their age. I'd leave them alone. I wouldn't. I'd be like, how the f*** are you here? You're I would, dead. I would follow the author to find out how they're there. I would have more things to worry about, like how I can see ghosts or like how people are coming back to life I would or en- how this person faked their death. I would engage them in conversation because I don't see a downside. <laughs> I can just imagine Oscar Wilde standing there and I'd be like, hi. Love your work. <laughs> Love the work. You absentmindedly open a package that was addressed to your neighbor and discover a highly sought-after first edition of a book. Do you return the package? Yes, I will return the package with a note of explanation and a bottle of wine. Yes, I will return the package and explain the misunderstanding in person. Yes, I would repackage the box and leave it on their doorstep. Yes, I would return the package along with an invitation to talk it over with tea. No, no, my dilemma is whether or not to sell it or enjoy it. I would return the package and explain the misunderstanding in person. I would leave it on their doorstep. I would do the in person, but it would be hard for me. I would debate the dilemma. And- <laughs> I'd be like, that's cool. Not only did you forget that book club is at your house, you didn't even read the book. <laughs> what do you do? I wouldn't admit I hadn't read the book, but my, go- my book club would probably notice. I would be upfront about it and would focus on making everyone comfortable. I would piece together the plot based on the book club discussion. I would accuse another member of not reading it before they suspect me. <laughs> I would admit my error. If there are any others like me, I'd like to schedule a breakout session. Okay, so... There I- should be an option of looking up, like, spark notes and just finding a summary of what happened. Well, that would be too logical. <laughs> but here's what would happen. If we were all in a book club together, I would be like... I would definitely blame one of y'all for not reading <laughs> yes. the book. So that's what I'm going to put. I would be like, guys, I didn't read it, but... But Caitlin... Here you go. Yeah, I would be like, I would be upfront about it and would focus on making everyone comfortable. Yeah, that's Your best friend reveals that they wrote a novel. You're the first to read it and you hate it. How do you respond? I don't know. I've never been in this situation before. I try to solve this conflict by focusing on my pray my praise on my friend's dedication. You're so dedicated. You work so hard. I'd ask if they'd like my help. If not, if so, I'd offer critiques. If not, I'd let it go. <laughs> I express my excitement and focus on the importance of editing. I tell them how much I love their book. I'm still their biggest fan. I'd be honest and enjoy watching Hope Train from Their Eyes. <laughs> Alright, Caitlin, if you don't pick that on, I don't know you. <laughs> um, right. I'd ask if they liked my help. I'd express my excitement and focus on the importance of editing. Um, I'm gonna put the first one, I guess. What's that? I try to solve the conflict by focusing on my <laughs> praise for the friend's dedication. Okay. You discover that a family member has been stealing books from the library. They inform you that they are only taking books that haven't been checked out recently how do you react as long as no one else is reading them i'd have them grab a couple for me i would insist that they return the books in person no ifs ands or buts i'd express my disappointment and have them promise not to do it again i would convince them that they have a moral duty to return the books i'd persuade them to make an anonymous donation to the library for double the value um i convince them that they have a moral duty i would insist that they return the book yeah i would pick the same as peyton Hey, your favorite novel is being adapted for film. The film's director says he made plot changes that will make the story more accessible to a new audience. Barf. How do you feel? Even if I were irritated, I still admit that this is a sensible approach. I'd hope the film would inspire others to read the book for themselves. The prospect would personally gall me, but I'd keep this feeling to myself. I wouldn't pass judgment and hold out the hope that that adaptation is excellent. I would pick the last one. The prospect would personally gall me, but I keep the feeling to myself. I'd hope the film would inspire others to read the book. You open an email and realize that it's not for you. The manuscript for your for this year's most hotly anticipated novel is attached. How? Assuming you will experience no repercussions, what do you do? I won't leak it, but I'll still put out feelers in case I could make money for it from it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's me. <laughs> I would immediately respond and let the sender know I didn't open the attachment. I would read the manuscript out of curiosity, but not tell anyone. I would neither read it or share it because I'm not interested. I leaked the book, but not before I revise the text of the protagonist. <laughs> I would love to do that, um, but I would read it and not tell anybody. I would too. Hi, Reva. Who'd you get? I'm David Copperfield. 
Oh, wow. While some people might call you naive, your idealism and honesty are very rare gifts. You know the world can be a tough place, but you don't let that stop you from seeking out the good where you can find it. During difficult times or when dealing with difficult people, you somehow see glimmers of hope amidst the darkness. Keep searching for ways to make the world around you better because you are a source of inspiration to others. But a word of warning, don't get so consumed by taking care of others that you forget to take care of yourself as well. So, I'm Rosalind. I don't know who that is. It's from Shakespeare. Yeah, I saw that. As You Like It by Shakespeare. People are drawn to you because you radiate authenticity. (laughs) Although you have a striking intelligence, you don't alienate others with your intellect. Instead, your warmth counterbalances your cleverness, making you the ideal dinner party guest. You have a gift for communicating with people different than you because you adapt your style of reasoning to best resonate with your audience. Despite this easygoing nature, your patient isn't limitless because you are a good judge of character you don't suffer fools easily combined with your ability to quickly discern the motivations that drive others you've learned to value integrity above all things i'm hip (laughs) great expectation (laughs) which i have read while you likely don't possess the greed and snobbery of pip as a young adult you do expect a lot from yourself your intelligence is fierce but not remote because your passions are in incompatible with abstract ideal contemplation take action and throw yourself into even the most challenging tasks with abandon determined to reach your goal your dedication and vision will take you far however be careful not to let your ambition override your conscience (laughs) if you're careful to occasionally slow down and appreciate the less flashy but ultimately more rewarding aspects of life you will have an even richer understanding of your personal sense of success wow riveting i don't know who any of these people are so i'm just like cool we're not shocked by that at all okay i think that's it that's it those are our quizzes for today that was our episode for today thank you for listening follow us on instagram at let's call it nothing pod and we'll see you next time Bye. bye I'm a walking hyperbole. I'm sorry. You're a walking contradiction? <laughs> Are you saying I'm slow? <laughs> my mouth is just two hours ahead of my brain. That's the problem.